Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. No other person that ever lived on this earth as a man yielded perfectly to the Holy Spirit the way Jesus yielded to the Holy Spirit. And it is possible now for you to experience that same supernatural sensitivity that Jesus had. Somebody ought to give God the praise. John the Baptist said, upon whom the Lord told him, upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, never lifting, because not for one moment is he going to grieve the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that outside of his divine nature, where he still continued to be God, in his human nature, he yielded himself to the full operation and full cooperation of the Holy Spirit in everything he did. This is why you and I must understand there's only one sin, only one that is unforgivable, only one. The only sin Man can commit, man can murder, man can commit sins of the worst form. There is only one sin that will never be forgiven of man. It's in all three synoptic gospels. I'll read it to you from Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Wherefore I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven unto men. But blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven. Verse 32. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Neither in this world, nor in the world to come, meaning in this age, which he was speaking of 2,000 years ago, or in the age to come, which is the age we're living now. Somebody ought to say the Holy Spirit is very precious. So this means, dear people of God, that when it comes to the anointing, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, 
This is something that we must enter into with complete and absolute yieldedness. The Bible says this means Jesus walked in a realm. We need to understand his relationship with the Holy Spirit was so unique, so close, so, so powerful. And he walked in a realm of supernatural sensitivity to the Spirit of God as a man, yet at the same time being fully God, subsisting in those two natures. And Luke chapter 8, verses 45 and 46 tell us something about supernatural sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to walk in that fresh anointing of supernatural sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? Put up a hand. I want to show you from Luke chapter 8, if you will look at Luke chapter 8, looking at verses 45 through 46, because in Luke chapter 8, verses 45 through 46, the context conveys the unique relationship that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit and his yieldedness, hallelujah, to the supernatural sensitivity of the flow of God. I want you to see this. Verse 45, 43, the scripture says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which spent all her living on the physicians and neither could be helped by any of them. Verse 44, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately the blood staunched. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? And all denied Peter, and all denied. And Peter and they that were with the multitude said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. And thou sayest, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that dunamis, that's what it reads in the Greek, that dunamis has gone out of me. Now, dear people of God, I want to show you two things from this text. First of all, in a personal prophetic sense of scripture, there was only one out of thousands of people, only one out of thousands who were thronging him who experienced the true touch of the anointing. Put your, touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I pray that you will be one of those who experience the true touch of the anointing. Only one. Thousands were thronging him for the true touch of the anointing. And Luke chapter 8, verses 43 for 46 teach us that not every person in the crowd was connected to the anointing. You can have people thronging. You can have people praising. You can have people dancing. You can have people shouting. But not every person is connected to the anointing. How many times have we been in a meeting? And how many times have we gone to a great meeting? where one out of thousands thronging 
And we need to understand that there is definitely a comparison in the context. That one woman in the thousands thronging him are in comparison to the context, to the anointing, that it comes to us more than just mechanical means. It's not just raising your hands in a service. It's not just dancing and shouting amen. You need to understand that there is a way that you can connect to the power of God. If we look at this, only one experienced the full manifestation and full impartation of dunamis. You better tell your neighbor, neighbor, I don't care what I've got to do. I want to be the one that experiences dunamis in my life. Can I get a witness somewhere? What a ratio. If that ratio is reality, then that means one in every service really knows the anointing. One out of thousands who speak in an unknown tongue, out of thousands who praise and worship, have never really experienced what it means to be completely yielded and surrendered and know the move of the Holy Spirit. And so we see here when he said, Master, the multitude strong thee and press thee and thou sayest who touched me. We also see in this text that Jesus, who was anointed, and as Acts 10.38 says, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and dunamis. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. We need to understand that his sensitivity was so unique that when thousands were thronging him, he knew just for one when that dunamis left his body. Touch your neighbor and say, do you know the difference? between the real move of God. Do you know the difference? Have you become so supernaturally sensitive that you know when the Spirit is moving you to do something, that when the Spirit says go, you go, when the Spirit says stop, you stop, and if you don't feel the anointing, you don't move! Supernatural sensitivity to the Spirit means we become completely directed and totally subjected to his dunamis power. This means, dear people of God, that we yield all of our being and all of our senses to always be completely submitted and committed to whatever he leads. Put your hands up right now and say this with me, Holy Spirit of God. I want to be used of you. I want to be filled with your spirit. I ask you right now, precious Holy Spirit, fill me, use me. Give me that supernatural sensitivity that I might move in the anointing like I've never moved before. Somebody's got to say amen here. 
in Romans chapter 4, verse chapter 8, verse 14, the scripture says that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. How many here want to be led by the Spirit? The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30 that there's a certain carefulness that your conscience has to develop so you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's certain sins that are directly to the Holy Spirit. Communication that is unkind coming out of the mouth is a sin directly against the Holy Spirit. Lying, especially in the house of God, even half-truths, because Ananias and Sapphira didn't make up a story. They gave a half-truth. Half-truths will grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, that this supernatural sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that there must be a carefulness developed in your conscience. We pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will develop and cultivate a carefulness in our conscience not to grieve Him. The Word says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you were sealed unto the day of redemption. Acts chapter 7 verse 51 shows us Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. It is possible to rebel against what he tells you to do. If he tells you to do something and you do just the opposite, you've resisted him. If you do it your way because that's how you thought it should be done, because it makes more sense to you to do it this way, when you were told to do it another way, you resisted the Spirit and cut off the grace of God. Genesis chapter 6, looking at verse 3, beloved. The scripture says, And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man. Verse 5 teaches us, how the Spirit strives with man. This is a very grievous text because the Scripture says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And we see, dear people of God, in Genesis 6, verse 3, hallelujah, that there is a striving and the Spirit of God is not going to strive with man anymore. But verse 5 tells us how the Spirit strives with man. How does the Spirit strive with man? The Bible says in verse 3, verse 5, and every imagination and thought were continually evil. So that means when we entertain imaginations in our minds and we entertain thoughts in our minds that are not thoughts of kindness and not thoughts of forgiveness and not thoughts of mercy, but thoughts of selfishness and self-centeredness, and we go on and on and on. This is grieving to the Holy Spirit. It's striving with the Spirit. Always having to be right. Always having to get the last word in. Always saying that we're the right one. Hello, somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, pray that I'm not so stubborn. 
Put your hands up right now and say, submission to authority and to the power of God. Come on, somebody. And the scripture says, and it grieved. The scripture says, and it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. We see three words in Genesis 6, verses 3 through 6. We see the words spirit, we see the word strive, and we see the word grieve. Say it with me. Spirit, strive, grieved. Say it again. Spirit, strive, grieved. Say it again. Spirit, strive, grieve. Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Spirit, never let me strive with you. Never let me resist you. Never let me grieve you. Let me always flow with you. Help me be completely submitted and committed to your divine direction as Jesus was as a man. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Now, dear people of God, very quickly, I'm going to show you from the Word of God. We're going to look at tonight, we've been sharing with you this destiny of dunamis. How many want to walk in that destiny of dunamis? We're going to look at the three supernatural steps, which we call the three prophetic principles into a destiny of dunamis. We've shown you what it was. We've shown you supernatural sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We sh we've shown you how Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit. We've shown you that one out of thousands thronging him, only one was completely connected to the anointing. Thousands around him were not connected. Every person that came near him could have been healed. But they did not connect going through the motions of ministry and going through the shouting and the singing and the praising. And we could still never experience the anointing. I don't know about you, but I want to be one who's going to fully experience the anointing in my life. This destiny of dunamis, my dear friends, we saw last week that there are three prophetic principles to a destiny of dunamis. First of all, we saw that the miraculous manifestation is based on human limitation. Say this with me, the miraculous manifestation is based on human limitation. This means that the Holy Spirit is looking for a vessel that's limited. This means he needs somebody that's limited that he can work with. He's not looking for a perfect vessel. He's not looking for a vessel that never made a mistake. He's not looking for a vessel that has perfect theological background. He is looking for something, someone limited. Someone who has fallen or someone who doesn't have the ability that his dunamis, his strength, might be made perfect in weakness. This is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and we look at the word, and the Bible says, 
as we look at this miraculous manifestation out of human limitation in the word of God, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 actually said, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power or the dunamis may be of God and not we of ourselves. Say this with me, the excellency of dunamis, the power is of God and not of ourselves. Somebody ought to praise God, you don't have anything. So if you've got a whole lot of talent, you've got a whole lot of theology, and you've got a whole lot of gifts, and you've got a whole lot of background, and a whole lot of everything, you are not the candidate that the Holy Spirit is looking for. Just that simple. But if you have nothing, and you know you're nothing, and you have nothing to help God with. And you know that there's limitation in your life. You may be limited by your education. You may be limited by your background. You maybe have made many mistakes in your life, limited by your social status. You may be limited by a social stigma. You may be limited by a physical handicap. Moses had a lisp. He stuttered. He was just the man God was looking for. Yifta had a social stigma. His mother was a harlot. He was just the man God was looking for. Ehud was a man with a physical disability. Yet the Spirit of God came upon him and he delivered Israel. He was just the man God was looking for. He's looking for limitation. If you are a vessel that can say there's a whole lot of limitation in me. Limitation! means he will bring a miraculous manifestation of his power through you. Somebody ought to give God praise. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the scripture says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my dunamis, my power, is made perfect in weakness. Touch your neighbor and say his power, his dunamis, can only work through weakness. This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, last line, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. This is how the power of the Spirit works. So when we see, as we looked a couple of weeks ago, the denominator of destiny in the book of Judges was that every judge was elected and selected on the basis of their weakness. And so today, and yet they were able to maintain and constrain the anointing and the supernatural power of God to win the war for Israel. And today, so we saw, and I review with you, 
that the first destiny of dunamis principle of power is the one who has the greatest pain in that greatest pain that you've ever suffered. The greatest pain will be used for the highest gain in the kingdom of God. Say this with me. The greatest pain, the greatest pain in my life is going to be used for the highest gain in the kingdom of God. That is the destiny of dunamis principle of power that we talked about for the last two weeks. Now, tonight as we close, I'm going to share with you two more destiny of dunamis principles of power. And the first one is the first, the, the, the first power principle that I'm going to share with you is out of the three. So it's actually the second power principle. And we must understand this principle of power this destiny of dunamis principle of power. And this is the least one that is detected. Someone you would never detect. Someone you would never suspect. The least detected has been elected for supernatural grace in the ministry and power of dunamis. Say this with me. The one who is the least detected is the one God has selected for his honor and glory. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. In this destiny of dunamis, we will understand how this is revealed how the least one detected. Now, I don't know if you look among yourselves here and see who's the least one you would ever detect that's going to be used mightily. Look among yourselves and say, who's the least? The one I would never suspect that's going to be used in dunamis power. The one who is the weakest. The one who has the most strikes against them. The one who has no ability. The one who has no power. Who is it in this group? The least detected. Because the least detected has actually been elected to be used in this hour by the dunamis power of God. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.